reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There is also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We have indeed been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. While the sun's light faded and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, crying out in a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I can mend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly, this man was innocent. When all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts, all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. The gospel of the Lord. Now, I have, I've looked at this scripture many times every year, but somehow it's hitting me hard this year. Because the crucifixion, if you understand uh, the reading that Randall read, this dude was completely innocent. Yeah, and the people in leadership go, I cannot find any fault in this guy. But yet, crucify him. In fact, it's interesting to me that on the death on the cross, if you think about this, that God became human. And Jesus had every human potential. And Jesus did nothing but good for people. 
But Jesus also proves something to be absolutely true here. And if you follow me on the screen, it says free people are seen as a threat. Rome, the most powerful empire on the planet, and the powerful institutional religious establishments of Jesus' day were both threatened by peasants from Galilee whom had no army and never talked of an armed revolution, but only went around telling stories, hanging out with marginalized people, and doing signs of healing and deliverance. Jesus was seen as a threat because he did not play the fear of intimidation games of the empire and religion. He was human, who was free to live his full potential. Now follow me here. This was a total innocent man that was crucified. You have to understand the Roman Empire invented crucifixion for two reasons. It was the most painful death of capital punishment you can ever thrive of. It was one of the slowest ways of dying, but yet the most painful way of dying. But it also was used to intimidate people that would think of going against the Roman Empire so they would have people watch this all through this. And so it's an incredible statement. And when Jesus on the cross, going through all the suffering, going through this painful suffering, he says this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Doesn't my unforgiveness seem petty now? Think about it. And I, and I look at this and I go, how in the world is this happening to me? Why am I holding on? Why is it so hard for a pastor, for a guy that's been in the church all of his life, for a guy that's seen that, seen that, why is it so hard for me or for us to forgive? We're good at saying we do. We're good at pretending we do. But it still tears us apart. And so why is it so hard? And I think there's three myths that your pastor has bought into. And then if I was talking to myself, that what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. And so follow me on the screen. A myth is forgiveness is about being nice. Hey, love you. I know you just backstabbed me and you destroyed me, but you're my best friend now. It's not about being nice. It's about being honest. And so the niceness is, doesn't require forgiveness. It doesn't say, here's the outcome of forgiveness, is to be nice. The second myth that we buy into is forgiveness makes you a doormat. Somehow we just think, well, I just need to forgive, I need to do this, so I might as well lay down in front of you and you just physically walk all over me. And so forgiveness, we know this, is not a, a doormat. The third one and I had to gravitate towards this one too, is forgiveness excuses wrongdoing. Somehow we think that if I forgive somebody, I'm excusing them for what they did. And that's not the case. Because in the Bible, he doesn't say forgive them for they, know what, they don't know what they're doing, but it's okay. Jesus didn't say that. And it wasn't an excuse for what to do. Because Jesus had this incredible statement that he said, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It's an incredible statement of truth. And we never focus on they don't know what they're doing. Because basically he's saying, people are ignorant. They have no idea what they're doing. I'm telling you right now that a lot of people that hurt you or hurt me have no idea that they hurt you. They have no idea. 
They don't say it. You can bring it up all you want. They will go, no, I didn't. No, you're getting it wrong. And so follow me on the screen. That is the truth about evil deeds. Evil is always justified and committed about ignorance. It is always based on some sort of distorted sense of reality or a lie. And so if you look at this, and you'd see this in our culture right now. And see, let me use a, a safe illustration here. I've had men that when uh, they're dating, and uh, let me just get on, get on the man because I can't because I'm a man, that they go, hey, babe. <laughs> I don't know if you call your girl babe. Hey, babe. Um, the boy has needs. You know, and you're just dating. You know what I'm talking about. And so I have needs. And if you don't fulfill my, help me fulfill my needs, then I have to have my needs somewhere else. So it creates something that's arrogant and makes it an need. Now, I looked, I Googled this once, and I don't think anyone died because their needs weren't being met. <laughs> because I would have been dead at 17. I really would. And so, therefore, we kind of create this reality that's really not a reality to get what we want or see things because we're selective in our ignorance. Ignorance is a choice. Blindness is a choice. And if it doesn't affect me, it's not a problem. And so here's the truth that I really need to embrace, and this is where I need to get hardcore with myself. So just if it's convicting you, just... I'm talking to myself here. I don't want to convict you. But the first one I've discovered is forgiveness is about combating evil. We're, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the spiritualities of this world. It goes deeper than resentment. Now, let me share with you that I've learned. When I decide not to forgive somebody, it creates this bond that I'm going to have with that person or it creates this line that I'm going to have with this person that I will be connected to life. That that person will be on my mind, that all of a sudden I have this bond of anger, this bond of hatred. And so therefore that bond with that person that or that three people that I have is tied to a particular trauma in my life. And so, therefore, that bond is so strong because I'm allowing it to be so strong that that trauma is still being repeated, repeated, and repeated, and repeated. And so, therefore, if that trauma was a, an event of an hour or two hours or a year, it's just repeating it year after year after year after year, hour after hour after hour after hour. And it's just all of a sudden, I'm just playing this all this, and it's killing me. And so we continue to be uh, traumatized, so therefore we become reactive. Reactive is this. React, when we react to a situation, it comes based out of fear or it comes based out of anger. So when I react out of anger and I can't deal with it, it becomes depression or revenge. Have you had those revenge fantasies? Whew, they're so fun. They really are. I mean, I can tell you, if I shared with you some of mine, you would go, dude, you're dark. <laughs> I am. Thank goodness for the forgiveness of Christ. And so follow me on the screen. 
when there is no forgiveness, we get trapped in a victim or victimizer cycle, which keeps the wrong done to us in circulation. Forgiveness, this is what I'm discovering, forgiveness exposes fear and ignorance. It exposes it. It exposes the fear and ignorance that I have, but it also exposes the fear and ignorance they have. So when we offer forgiveness, we do so fully aware that we need forgiveness, but we do this, and, and, and if we don't do this, because we're holding on to ignorance, we're holding on to fear, and saying, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this, or we put it under the carpet, and we as Christians are so good at pretending that we don't have issues. How does everything, oh, no, no, I'm not, a, no, I'm no, not angry, not there. Oh, we can fled, can't we? We can use the Christianese. And so therefore what happens, our behavior is modified when we're around that person, but our hearts are being torn apart. And so therefore the hypocrisy comes out. And so this is where it's important that we don't sweep stuff under the carpet, that we be honest and, and with ourselves, with our hurts, with our resentment. But I'm telling you, that I've discovered in the past that forgiveness sets us free. This is most important about forgiveness. That bond that I don't want with that person, that chain that I don't want with that person, broke. I'm free. I don't want to be a slave to my old head games. And, and the thing is, when somebody hurts you so deeply as I've been hurt or you've been hurt, why would I want to have that bond. Why would I want to hold on to this? And so if you follow me on the screen, when we can truly forgive, and that's a key word, truly, it sets us free from being tied to the trauma of our past harm done to us. We are able to stop being re-traumatized by it. The wounds stop getting picked open to bleed. Instead, they start to become a scar which speaks to the healing of our past hurts. Yeah, I'm going to have scars. Forgiveness is not like you don't know what happened you can't remember. Oh, I can remember. I have scars to prove it. I got pastoral scars. I can show you every year where I got a scar. But right now, I got three open wounds that I'm picking at, that aren't scarring over here. And so this is where, if you follow me on the screen, unforgiveness is a trap which keeps harm and violence in the circulation. Jesus showed us how to escape this. And so I look at this, and the Apostle Paul, he's a powerful speaker, he's a powerful writer, and I look at Paul, and I go, Paul, dude, you're cutthroating it. That's what we used to... Uh, we, I don't want to go there. But anyway, so there's two words that he uses here that are very powerful, that stuck out to me in a most unique way. I've read the scripture over and over for years, but you know, when you're struggling with something, scripture starts speaking to those areas that you're struggling with. It's really a rare. Follow me. Let the same mind remember... Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the same mind be in you of Christ Jesus. 
who though he was in a form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in a human likeness, being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is crazy. Because all of a sudden I go, dang, dude, why is this sticking out to me? The word is exploited and the word is emptied. And so this is how in the world do we forgive. So this is where I want to sound semi-intelligent to you. So usually pastors pull out the Greek word so they can pretend they're totally educated. <laughs> Did I pronounce that right? I'm trying to sound educated. Exploited. The Greek definition is, is this, to cling or to grasp hold of. Emptied is the totally opposite, to empty or to let go. The way to stay trapped in my unforgiveness is to cling, is to hold on. And here, you want me to get real close to home? It's my white privilege. It's your entitlement. And so when you're entitled or when you feel like you're privileged, therefore you have a right to hold on to this. And so when I have a right to hold on to this, oh, those satanic bonds start building. Do you see what I mean? And start clinging and holding on to you. And then all of a sudden you go, where is my joy? Why is my perspective of life so negative? Why is this affecting my marriage? Why is this affecting everything here? And so, therefore, following on the screen, the cross exposes both the worst of what happens when we are trapped in the cycle of sin and judgment and unforgiveness and our need to be forgiven. We get so wrong that even when God appeared in the flesh and did nothing but love us, we killed who we should have loved in return. But Jesus did not cling to the right and hold our sin against us. His forgiveness served the chain and keeps us trapped in this perpetual unforgiveness. He had the right. Oh, man, he had the privilege too. And he had the entitlement. He could have used it. It says in Scripture he could have called 10,000 angels. Ooh, if I was Jesus, history would have been different. I'm telling you right now, I would go, seriously, you want me up there? I ain't getting up there. <laughs> You're all dead. That's why I'm not Jesus. <laughs> if I'm holding on to these petty things that people did. You know. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Don't you love the word? It just goes right through your heart. And it goes right through your heart to a point where it gets in the rawness of it, and it brings you back to a spiritual reality that the Lord goes, do you want to heal it from that, or do you want to be justified? It's up to you. The Lord doesn't make you do it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be mad. I don't want to be angry. I don't, this is not who I am. And so, here... See, this is where I think, okay, now people get mad at me when I go off on Republicans. People go mad at me when I go off on Democrats, which seldom, but I do every once in a while. No one goes after me when I go after the church. Because when I go after religion, everyone's like 100%, yeah, we all have church issues. 
yeah, religion sucks. But here, here I go. I think the evangelicals have got this half-truth about the cross stuff. Evangelicals tend to focus on how Jesus' death allows us to experience personal forgiveness of our sins. That's why we use the analogy of personal Savior. So that we are not separated from our loving God from all eternity. But there's a way more to that. It's deeper than this. And so follow me. That's true, but it's deeper. Jesus once said, if you fail to forgive others, you won't be forgiven. He did not say this as a threat. He said this to reveal the truth about the unforgiveness trap. The cross is about much more. The cross is about much more than personal forgiveness of salvation. It's about liberation from unforgiveness, which keeps us our sinful harm in circulation. The cross is not just about personal salvation. It's about universal salvation and liberation. That's why Scripture says that Jesus died for our sins of the whole world. He didn't just die for you. He died for the planet. And so this, last, this is my last Sunday of this series called Potential. And here's the closer, the closer I'm going, how I'm going to close this. You ready for this? On the screen. Our potential to forgive is directly related to living out our full potential as flourishing human beings. Let's say that represents bitterness. And the thing is, I'm telling you right now, one of them is so stupid that I'm holding on to. She met with my superintendent, my boss. And the cliche thing is, she called me a racist. And uh, and my superintendent goes, you know he's not a racist. I, I've known him for 30 years, he's not a racist. And she said, I'm racist towards white people. She was white. And I'm thinking, how in the world, I can be prejudiced, but I can't be racist towards my own race. And so she used this analogy on me and said, well, you look at his staff, look at all he hires, they're non-white. And I go, wow, Brooke. Brooke, Brooke is what I call a reverse Oreo cookie. That's what Brooke is, okay, or a burrito. He's not white inside, I'm telling you. Brooke is not. And so that I use analogy after analogy of people of color rather than white people. I got mad. You know how you get mad? You, you, why am I getting mad at this? This is so stupid. But I hold on to it. I hold on to it. I, I wanted to post. I got a picture with my God kids, my, my, all my, God, my adult God kids and their own family and, and Jennifer and I, and we took a picture and they're all white. And I wanted to say on Facebook, hey, I do like white people. But Jennifer, but Jennifer goes, you know, I don't think anyone would get it. <laughs> you know, without explaining the whole story, you're going to sound racist as it is, you know. I was so mad. Okay. And so, for me to be the husband I need to be, the pastor I need to be, I've got to break this bond. Because I'm not having joy here. Not the last month. Because it's tearing me apart. Because I keep wanting to do this, but I want to rectify this. 
And that illustration, you can't write. It doesn't make, I always tell people this. I got the greatest advice. If you cannot make sense out of this in five minutes, there's no sense in it. Right? But you got a pastor that's dwelling on this for two years now. Going, this doesn't make sense. Why don't you know I'm racist? The problem is it goes in my file. That's the problem. So that's why I'm angry. And so here it is on the screen. When we hold on to the need to retaliate and the anger about harm done to us, it does not defeat evil. Instead, it amplifies it. Unforgiveness will absorb into ourselves the worst of our enemies. And if we are not careful, soon we will become like them at some level. Forgiveness sets us free from being forever connected to people and situations which have brought us harm. When we are set free, we are able to channel our energy away from this destructiveness and towards loving creativity. Our full human potential has a chance to flourish. I can let it go. It ain't worth it. And so I've, I've learned this. When I've seen people that have joy, that have forgiveness, there's a step in their, in their walk. There's an inner joy in them. There's a thing that they're easily, they're not easily offended. They've given you grace already before they met you. They're right there walking with the Spirit. And it's like they have forgiven you before they've even done anything wrong. And they also see beauty in everything. If you're mad at God, you got unforgiveness. Because if you don't see God's beauty every single day, as it is, you don't see God's hand in your life every single day because you and I are alive today and we're breathing. If we don't see it and we're ticked off what God did and ticked off what God didn't do, we got some unforgiveness. It covers a multitude. Love covers a multitude of sins. And the thing is about this, is people like that are not afraid to speak the truth in love. I have a good friend, Bob Monik Bonick, who with my accountability loves me to death, speaks the truth in compassion. And when he speaks the truth, it nails me. And the reason I'm preaching this and honest with you, he nailed me. He nailed it. He read through the read right through me. And so what is it that will unlock the ability for me to forgive? What do I need to do to, for you? What do you need to do to forgive as well? It's called humility. Something that we don't embrace when we're angry or when we're bitter, but the spirit of humility. This is where in verse 5 it says, let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. When we have the same mind, see, Apostle Paul knew this because he wouldn't tell us to have the same mind as, as Christ if it wasn't possible. It's possible for me to have the mind of Christ. It's possible for me to move on and let this go. And I believe the Lord gave me a view to say, you know, if you let this go, this is how free you're going to be. And I go, oh, you see? Having the mind of Christ begins with knowing that Christ offers us forgiveness. And us having the humility to know that we need it 
If we truly accept the forgiveness that offered to us, it will move us into humble gratitude, which empowers us to offer forgiveness to others. Living in that type of continual humility is which we can do, not have to cling to what we think we are entitled to, is the mind of Christ. When we have the mind of Christ, we are freed to reach our full human potential. So I'm going to call us forward. If you really want to let go, and maybe this is just me, maybe you guys are all hunky-dory and don't have any anger issues and resentment and you guys have this life that's perfect, but I don't. Being a pastor is very, very hurtful. You don't see the stuff that I have to live with on a daily basis. And the forgiveness needs to continue to take place. So, if you're with me, if you want to be prayed over by Pastor Al Johnson, we're just going to stand here. I'm going to stand there. I'm not going to face. I'm not going to pray over you because I'm not in a position to pray over you right now. But I am in a position to be prayed over. Because on Easter Sunday, I want to be free. I want to, I want to have a resurrected body, a resurrected heart, a resurrected mind. 